WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Showers, thunderstorms today. The high going to be 80. Tonight, overnight, could see a stray shower, low 67. And then Friday, sunshine, high 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 64 and cloudy in Spring Valley in Rockland County. 68 partly cloudy in Livingston down in New Jersey. And we're getting a little bit of drizzle, and it's 70 here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning should send a shout-out to my father, who lives in Israel and has for my entire adult life. He turns 91 today, which is just sort of spectacular in itself. Uh, I think there'll be a tinge of sadness for this birthday. Um, my mom passed away this year, so he lost his wife of almost 70 years. But he has been unbelievable since her death. First of all, the guy goes to work almost every day, which is still amazing. He's a cosmetic chemist, works for a cosmetic company in Israel, and still gets on the commuter train, gets onto the subway, then the commuter train goes back and forth to work, works from home when he's not, you know, answering emails, even when he came to vacation with me a couple months back. Um, but what I can say about my father is, boy, he's been a great example of how you treat your wife and how you raise your family and uh the great part about that is i was the benefactor of it the hard part is is i try to do the same in my life and i think i fail miserably but one funny story that and there's so many great stories about my father he's a spectacular human but one story i can think of like just in sometimes when i thought how smart he is and he's a smart guy uh, we had a rowboat as a kids, and uh, at one point he said we were older, and he said, I'm going to get rid of this rowboat. Let me see if I can sell it. So he put it on our front lawn in Trenton, and we lived off this major highway where lots of cars were going by, and he put a sign. It said for sale, and I think it was, I don't know, 200 bucks. and for like a week it sat there. He got no phone calls. And so, of course, the my reaction would be, well, maybe I should lower the price. But him being much smarter than me, he said, oh, People don't see a value in it. Maybe I've made this too cheap. So he doubled the price of what he had put on the boat originally, and a day later it sold. <laughs> so that tells you a little bit about who he is. But um, when they talk this week, you know, of the lotteries of somebody winning a billion dollars in Florida and that mega millions lottery, the real lottery is winning fantastic parents. And boy, did I win that lottery. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Why won't a New Jersey landlord do the right thing? Chris Christie daring Donald Trump to show up the first debate. Drones are out looking for sharks near city beaches. $12 billion to pay for the migrants here in the city. And there's no connection between beer and a good tan. All right, let's get into it. 503 will start in Plainfield, New Jersey. Shame on these landlords there. Two buildings condemned yesterday. And all these people who lived in these rentals in Plainfield, New Jersey, told to get out of this building. They had just paid August rent not more than a week ago. Tensions boiling over yesterday afternoon after these families who don't have a lot of money, this is not a wealthy area, were told they had to get out. Comment at this time. How can you say no comment when all of these families have to move out and these conditions were deplorable? I will give a comment later today. That's the uh, landlord. Uh, he has ignored pleas for helping fix this deplorable conditions for more than a year. Police actually had to escort him around as he came to see what was wrong with the building. And boy, there's a lot wrong with this building. I mean, so much so, the city came in and had to condemn it. You know it's bad when that happens. <laughs> We don't know what to do. We took stuff. It's a shock because I don't know what to do. I have been crying all night that I don't know where we're going. I have little siblings. 
City officials say they had no choice but to condemn the buildings at 501, 515 on the street. Uh, 84 apartments in all. Inspectors following up on complaints from residents. They found gaping holes, leaking pipes and ceilings, walls open, sewer pipes uh, draining out in the wrong places. It is clear to us that this landlord is heartless and uncaring about his tenants and is driven by greed and profit. So some of these people pay rent of $4,000, others cheaper, but you can imagine uh, these are rentals in not a wealthy area in New Jersey, and so you get kicked out of these apartments with no place to go. A lot of these people don't have the money to go elsewhere, not sure where they're going to go. Am I going to be a bad mother because I'm forced to sleep in the car with my 5-year-old daughter afterwards because I have nowhere to go? Yeah, so the landlords are Charles Aryeh and Aaron Einhorn. So the question is, of course, uh, how do you put your head to the pillow uh, to go to sleep at night knowing that so many residents in this building that you own have been kicked out just after you have collected rent? Well, thank God there was this News 12 reporter who would not let him get away yesterday, one of the landlords that showed up. He kept saying no comment, no comment. But this News 12 reporter followed him, hunted him down, wouldn't get him, let him get away with that. Over 200 violations. Why haven't you guys done anything with the violations? So... Again, I want to make my comment later. I'll have something by tonight. What's have prevented you and your company from having a resolution, from fixing the violations in this building? There's over 80 families in these yeah, two buildings. I understand. And, and I this is not the first building or the second here in the city of Plainfield. Why? I understand. I feel terrible. I, I understand. Guys, I understand. I do. You don't understand because there are people with family here. What are the people with family going to do? They don't have a place to stay. I understand. There was a three-day-born baby. There was a woman that signed a contract three days ago, $3,000 a month for rent, and now she doesn't have a place to live. And she just signed a contract three days ago to move into this building. That is horrible. What do you have to say about that? I feel terrible for her. Yeah, he doesn't sound uh, that he feels so terrible. Uh, Meanwhile, he does say he has hired somebody to come in and fix what's wrong, but he would not give a timeline of how fast all of that would be fixed. WABC News Time 509. Big news out of the world of rock roll run of rock's greatest songwriters and musicians robbie robertson dying yesterday 80 years old beloved by rock and roll fans everywhere robbie robertson was a high school dropout who joined the band the hawks supporting rockabilly star ronnie hawkins which turned into the band supporting bob dylan the band forged their own sound with songs like Up on Cripple Creek, The Wait, and The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Robertson said in a 2019 AP interview he was still proud of the band's self-titled album. Nobody was doing anything like this. Nobody was writing songs like that. Nobody was making music that sounded like that. Robertson later did soundtrack work for The Color of Money, The King of Comedy, and The Departed. Yeah, you know, definitely one of the great rock, greatest songwriters of all time. No two ways about it. Apparently had been sick for quite a while. His manager confirming yesterday that he died at 80. Of course, lead guitarist, lead writer for the band, he and Levon Helm met at, uh, as they were teenagers, like 16 years old, and had this uh, lifetime of music they played together. So many hits, you, you sort of just don't know where to begin. So much stuff they wrote together, that they wrote separately, that he wrote for movies. Of course, this being one of the more famous ones. And he kind of had two careers, right, as a rock and roller with the band. Uh, He did stuff on his own as well. And then he later worked on soundtracks for a bunch of Martin Scorsese movies. They had this really tight relationship, the two of them. They were best buddies. Uh, He worked on soundtracks, including The Departed, The Irishman. It goes on and on. Uh, later this morning, no doubt, uh, Lou and Sid will do much better tribute than I'm doing here uh, to Robert E. Robertson, but sad to see that he's gone at 80 years old. 511, President Biden brushing off questions yesterday about his alleged involvement in his son's foreign business deals. Hmm, let's see if we can try that again. Never talk business in England. And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. 
Okay, well, that wasn't much of a soundbite anyway. But the Republican-controlled, he says it was a lousy question. It was asked by somebody from Fox News asking him, was he involved in Hunter Biden's foreign business deals? The Republican-controlled House Oversight Committee releasing documents, it says, shows Hunter Biden's deals with Russia and Ukraine brought in 20 million bucks to President Biden's family and their allies. When asked about it on the campaign trail yesterday, he said it's a lousy question and once again said he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business deal. But House Republicans are not going to let go of this. A memo released from the House Oversight Committee members argues it doesn't need to directly show payments from Hunter Biden's dealings to the president to prove corruption. Hunter Biden is being charged by the Justice Department for tax and gun charges, but has yet to be charged for accepting bribes. Republicans argue the payments to Hunter Biden's multiple accounts by foreign entities, including Russia, implicates the president. The Republicans make that claim after testimony from a Hunter Biden associate allegedly revealed Joe Biden attended some dinners with these foreign companies. I'm Lisa Taylor. The president's been on this swing out west, uh, highlighting his clean energy policies. He was in New Mexico yesterday. Not only moves us away from fossil fuels to cleaner technologies like wind, but it means we're going to make things and new technology here in America. The president speaking to a crowd at the Arcosa Wind Towers facility. It's a wind turbine manufacturer that set up production in the state earlier this year. The president attributing an increase in clean energy manufacturing to his Inflation Reduction Act that was signed into law last year. Arcosa has received $1.1 billion in orders for new wind towers. And today we're here breaking ground on a new plant that's going to create 250 new good-paying jobs. Yeah, so he did a talk there. Then he went over to the Weather Channel where he talked about a climate emergency taking place in this country and, for that matter, around the world. I've already done that. Nationally, we've conserved more land. We've moved into We've rejoined the Paris Climate Accord. We've passed a $368 billion climate control facility. We're, we're, we're moving. It's the, it is the existential threat to humanity. Well, in the practice, we got a bug on you. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So you've already declared that national emergency. Practically speaking, yes. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess he really hasn't. But environmental activists who have called for Biden to make the declaration say it would unlock far-reaching executive powers to address global warming around the world and for sure here in the U.S. 514, meanwhile... The Biden administration again defending its decision decision to pull out of Afghanistan. We believe it was a correct policy choice, but again, I would never want to quibble with a family member who has suffered such an enormous tragedy. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller there declining whether to say it was a success. The administration has faced sharp criticism over the chaotic withdrawal of suicide bombing, you'll remember, killed 13 U.S. troops, 170 Afghans back in 2021. Now, families of those service members killed earlier this week or that year in 2021 were together earlier this week and um, said that they have received inadequate answers from the administration on what occurred at the Kabul airport on that day back in 2021 when those 13 U.S. troops were killed. One uh, family member said they were told that their soldier had been killed in the actual blast at the airport. But then when they did their own digging, found out that he actually had not died at the airport, he was mortally injured and died later, but he had survived the attack and had made it to the hospital. So they say they want all the information. They say the White House hasn't been transparent about this, and they say they're not going to keep quiet. All right, 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Uh, it is Friday Eve. Good morning. Happy Friday Eve to Justin Ellick. Good morning. Happy Friday Eve to you, Gnome Layden. Start with the Mets here. They rebounded nicely against the Cubs, coming off a loss to Chicago on Tuesday night with a 4-3 victory to secure the series win in the finale last night. Down two early, Pete Alonso erased the deficit with this two-run shot in the fourth inning, courtesy of SNL. It's hit in the air to deep left center field, and forget that. Pete has lost it, and the Mets have tied it. Off the facing of the second deck in left center, number 35 for Pete Alonso, and the Cubs keep pitching to him, and he keeps hitting it out of the ballpark. Uh, Jeff McNeil would follow that up a couple innings later with some muscle of his own, launching a solo shot in the sixth to put the Mets ahead for good. After an off day today, they'll see if they can build on the series win when they welcome in the uh, NL East first place Atlanta Braves starting tomorrow night. As for the Yankees, they can't even beat the bad teams anymore. Losing to the lowly Chicago White Sox, 9-2 last night to surrender the three-game series. The Yankees actually implemented the use of an opener 
last night to see if that helped Luis Severino's output on the mound at all. He's been struggling mightily as of late. It did not, with the right-hander lasting just two innings, while yielding four earned runs on five hits after reliever Ian Hamilton chucked a scoreless first inning to start things off. They'll take an off day today as well, before heading down to South Beach for a three-game set with the Marlins starting tomorrow night. And, of course, no, a reminder, football to look forward to. It's getting closer and closer here, preseason football, that is. Giants and Lions in Detroit. That'll be tomorrow night. And on Saturday, you've got the Jets in Carolina kicking things off with the Panthers. Sports on 77 at WABC. I'm Justin Ellis. WABC News Time 518. A Utah man wanted for allegedly making threats against President Biden and Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is dead. Craig Robertson was fatally shot by FBI agents at his Provo home. A neighbor heard all the commotion. There was a big boom and then there was another one and another one and another one. And um, I thought that their house was on fire because there was smoke. Robertson shot while agents were attempting to serve arrest and search warrants. Authorities say Robertson's threats against Bragg included that he was going to come to New York to put a nice hole in his forehead. No FBI agents were injured during that uh, during that shooting yesterday. An American nurse and her daughter free after being kidnapped in Haiti. State Department spokesman Matt Miller says he's grateful for their return. We express our deepest appreciation to our Haitian and U.S. interagency partners for their assistance in facilitating for their uh, their safe release. New Hampshire native Alex Dorsonvel and her daughter were kidnapped while working for the nonprofit El Roy Haiti in Port-au-Prince late last month. El Roy Haiti, the Christian charity ran by her husband, said they had immense joy when they heard that both mom and daughter had been released. These armed groups over the past few months have actually expanded their territory and are extremely more aggressive. The nonprofit, the husband there, asking that the media stay away, at least for the next 24, 48 hours, while the mother and daughter understand what freedom is and are able to go back home to New Hampshire. 520, let's bring it back to the U.S. Thousands of tourists evacuated from Maui as multiple wildfires raged out of control yesterday. Officials with the State Tourism Department say locals and visitors alike being directed to the Hawaii Convention Center to get out of the way of these flames. The shelters on Maui may be full, so you may not have an option, but you do have an option here on Oahu at the Convention Center. Six people confirmed dead. The situation dynamic, they say, um, it's likely to rise. I mean, they were doing some good jobs of knocking down these flames yesterday, but there was just some frightening situations. Um, this is a tourist area, if you're not familiar. Uh, tons of structures burned to the ground. You know, everything is really fluid and dynamic, right? They're doing the search and rescue and, and assessment as we speak. So we're relying on, on the counties to provide us the information. Yeah, that was part of the problem yesterday. Communications were down due to the ground damage. Uh, they were working with companies to provide cell service because that went down for a while. But because the fiber optic uh, cable was damaged and that needs to be assessed, we think that could, could take um, over a month to, to get repaired. We never anticipated uh, in this state that uh hurricane which did not make impact on our islands will cause this type of wildfires. That's Lieutenant Governor Sylvia Luke who said hurricane force winds in the region and drought conditions have fueled this fire. It's not 100% clear where it all started but what is clear is it's devastated this tourist area where that's active 24-7, 365 days a the year. The state is providing whatever support that we can to give support to both Maui and to the Big Island. And some locals say they've never seen anything like this. When summertime comes and things dry out and we have high winds, a perfect storm happens, and that's definitely what's been happening in the last 24 hours. People burned alive in the streets, people panicking for their lives as they drive through flashpoints where if they were to step out of the car, there's very little chance of them surviving. Jumping into it, getting rescued by the Coast Guard, they have mobilized all civilian boat owners to go out there uh, to try to rescue people. And we'll follow the story, of course, as the day wears on. 522, an American woman out on bail in the Bahamas after being charged in a suspected murder-for-hire plot 
against her husband. Lindsay Shiver was accused of conspiring to kill her husband, Robert Shiver, a former Auburn University football player. She was granted bail of $100,000 by a Bahamian Supreme Court justice. Shiver, a 36-year-old from Georgia, must wear an electronic monitoring device and follow a curfew. I'm Lisa Taylor. 523, let's go out to the White House campaign trail. Former President Trump says he has not made a decision about whether he'll take part in that first debate among all the GOP candidates in Milwaukee. It's set to take place August 23rd. Uh, No, it's not a question of guts. It's a question of intelligence. And I'm going to make a decision. I haven't, you know, totally ruled it out. I, I I would love to do it in many ways because I sort of enjoy that. But... We'll uh, let people know next week. The former president says he will not sign the loyalty pledge that the Republican National Committee requires for candidates to take part in that debate. Meanwhile, Chris Christie, who the former president made fun of for being uh, overweight, uh, says he's challenging Donald Trump. He dares him to show up at the debates come August 23rd in Milwaukee. If he's so proud of his record, and he was such a great president, I would think you'd want to be there to make that case. Christie says Trump has to earn the Republican nomination. He says part of that is taking part in all these debates. Just says he won it twice doesn't mean he's entitled to win it for a third time. And he may win it, but he needs to earn it. And he needs to show up. There are folks who are running in this race who won't make that stage. That shows you what a privilege it is to qualify and to be there. He's qualified. He should be there. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, out on the campaign trail as well yesterday says he wants to give Border Patrol officers on the U.S.-Mexico border the right to use deadly force. And he says he would do that if he makes it to the White House. It's similar to like if you're in the military. You have rules of engagement. Anyone that's hostile intent or a hostile act, which the cartels are, you know, you would then engage with lethal force. DeSantis claims drug cartels responsible for killing more Americans than any other group or nation. These cartels are, are basically foreign terrorist organizations. WABC News Time 525. More Americans are apparently dipping into their 401k accounts because of financial woes. That's according to Bank of America data. The number of those who did so during the second quarter spiked from the same time last year by 36 percent. Most cite inflation as the main reason. Bank of America's data also shows overall employee contributions remain consistent over the first half of the year. I'm Mark Mayfield. The markets, they closed lower yesterday. Investors looking forward to today when July's producer price index will be released. It will give traders some insight on what the Fed will do and what their next move might be. At the closing bell yesterday, the Dow down 191 points. S&P fell 31 points. NASDAQ dropped 162. Disney CEO Bob Iger says he's vowing to help find solutions to help resolve strikes by the Hollywood actors and writers. Iger making the pledge during Disney's quarterly earnings call yesterday as the Writers Guild of America, they've hit the 100-day mark in their strike. That went fast. The Actors Union, of course, known as SAG-AFTRA, they went on strike back on July 14th. Iger said nothing is more important to Disney than its relationship with the creative community. I'm sure actors and writers would push back against that and say, well, pay us that if that's the case. And the newsmakers... Americans admired most won't be found here in the U.S. necessarily. A Gallup survey of Americans found Prince William of England has the highest favorability numbers of any global newsmaker. Really? Prince William? At 59%. Ukrainian President Zelensky was second, the only other figure to top 50%. First Lady Jill Biden was third. Her husband, President Biden, tied with Donald Trump at 41% approval. Russia's Vladimir Putin was at the bottom of the list of 15 with just 5% approval. I'm Rory O'Neill. The president and first lady always make those lists. I mean, that's always the case. But Prince William, really? Okay. We got a lot more to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour, sit in friends in the morning. The beaches in the Rockaways yesterday, definitely not as packed as they should be for a summer day. We'll tell you what the city's doing, try to convince people to go back into the water after the uh, woman was bitten by a shark in the Rockaways on Monday. $12 billion to pay for the migrants here in the city. Is that really going to be the tab? We'll hear from Mayor Adams, the latest 
on dealing with the migrants still coming in every day. And apparently there's no connection between beer and a good tan, even though that's one of the hottest videos on TikTok today. We'll get those stories and more, but we'll do this first. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. You talk. We listen. Seventy-seven WABC. Talk Radio seventy-seven WABC. It's the seventy-seven WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, traffic, Justin Ellick, sports, and now talking the news with Noah on seventy-seven WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Shower, thunderstorms today, high 80. Tonight, overnight, could see a stray shower, low 67. And then Friday, sunshine, high 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 64, cloudy in Spring Valley in Rockland County. 68 and partly cloudy in Livingston down in New Jersey. And 78, a bit of drizzle here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out in Queens in the Rockaways where now drones will go up every single day for the rest of the summer season, the beach season on every beach in the uh, in the city with drones watching for sharks after that 65-year-old woman was bitten in the Rockaways on Monday. The monitoring will be from an hour before the beach opens till sunset every day. And if they see something in the water, of course, they'll warn swimmers to get the heck out. We are flying here in Rockaways. We're flying in Coney Island. We're flying in Orchard Beach. And we're working on teams to to get out to Staten Island. So we will be definitely covering all the beaches the, the rest of the summer. The Parks Department really wants beachgoers to feel like they can go back into the surf. It is the height of the season. So many businesses surround these beaches and they need you to be out there. We are flying here in Rockways. We're flying in Coney Island. We're flying in Orchard Beach and we're working on teams to to get out to Staten Island. So we will be definitely covering all the beaches the the rest of the summer. Of course, all the talk is that woman, 65-year-old, waiting in shallow water, bitten so badly, 20 pounds of flesh taken out by that shark. Her family speaking out for the first time yesterday. They say they cannot thank the EMTs, the rescue crews that showed up to save her. They say they likely saved her life and at the same time saved her leg. But on the beaches everywhere, uh, people talking about the shark attack. Yeah, the beach is cancer, y'all. Yeah, so uh, those drones uh, were seen yesterday, and people on the beach saw them. I never actually go out and swim in it. I just hang around the beach and walk in the In other words, you're going to put your toes in, and that's it. Maybe maybe up to my ankle. Yeah, people a little fearful to go all the way in, no two ways about it. Uh, This surfer, though, Max Haynes, says he actually got bitten by a shark last July and didn't think a whole lot about it. Just I felt on my foot like a bear trap just get me from below. Yeah, and Stony Brook University marine biologist Chris Paparo says beachgoers should be vigilant. You know, pay attention to what's going on, but he says you really shouldn't be afraid to go out and swim. What we should be doing is just really educating people that, you know, these are the species that are here. They feed on fish. They're not trying to eat you. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm still a little worried to go out, out there, but I will because I'm going to be at the Jersey Shore this weekend. 535, New York City preparing for the arrival of more migrant families just weeks before the school year starts. More than 18,000 children living in city shelters attend public schools. Mayor Adams says that doesn't include the migrant children who haven't registered yet, so they don't even know fully what the number will be. We have been successful in absorbing those young people to make sure no child is going 
without education uh, in our school systems. We don't have the exact number because it's a continuing growing and moving number. The city's shelter system's been overburdened by the migrants, and some New Yorkers fear migrant children will have the same effect on the school system come September. I don't know. Public schools got a lot of issues as it is already. I think they have a lot of kids in the classes and not as many teachers and all that kind of stuff. So an influx of students, that just makes the problem worse. Too much with these kids. And it's going to be a tight budget. Mayor Adams talking about that tight budget yesterday, holding a press conference, City Hall. $12 billion, that's his new number, he said, it will cost taxpayers to pay for the migrants that are still arriving here almost every single day at the Port Authority bus station from the U.S.-Mexico border. Adams says new arrivals will cost more than $5 billion just this year. That's up from the $1.4 billion we spent last fiscal year, and it nearly equals the budgets of Sanitation Department, our Parks Department, and the FDNY combined. He's begging the federal government to pitch in in a much bigger way than it already has. He says the city needs the money. They can't do it on their own. New Yorkers' compassion may be limitless, but our resources are not. And our partners at the state and federal levels know this. And he's already warning city agencies today that he may have to do another round of cuts so that he can pay for all these migrants that have showed up. Here's some 97,000 so far. So we did three rounds at the one point something billion dollars. Can you imagine what we have to do at 12 billion dollars? So Every service in the city is going to be uh, impacted. Yeah, lots of tightening of the belt. WABC News Time 539. The MTA is going to be running more frequent trains on two of its lines on weekends. MTA Chair Jenna Lieber says starting this weekend, riders using the number one and the six lines will see trains come every six minutes on weekends instead of every eight minutes. It might not seem like much, but when you're standing on a hot platform... Those minutes really add up. This is the second phase of previously announced targeted subway service enhancements. Last month, the MTA added service to the G, J, and M lines. More service enhancements are coming in December and next year as the MTA hires more crews. It's no secret that weekend ridership and all discretionary travel, the weekends, the nights, are rebounding faster to pre-COVID levels faster than weekday service. WABC News Time 540. Former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's security director has pled guilty to felony obstruction charges. Former NYPD Inspector Howard Redman has admitted to protecting de Blasio from investigators who were trying to prove he illegally used his security detail while traveling to other states in his failed bid for president. Redmond was in charge of scheduling de Blasio's security detail. He had been with the NYPD for 30 years. He won't serve time in prison as per his plea deal. As for de Blasio, in June, he was fined $475,000 over the issue by the NYC Conflict of Interest Board. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Let's go down to New Brunswick, New Jersey. A spokesman for Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital says the union representing striking nurses there formally rejected the hospital's latest offer that they put up there yesterday. Nearly 2,000 nurses walked off the job last Friday after contract talks stalled. The turnover has been very high, and I think it's time the hospital kind of self-reflects for a second and asks themselves why. We don't have anyone to back up um, for help, and we're scrambling. The two sides remain deadlocked on issues such as staffing levels and pay. I just want them to settle and give us patient safety and our ratios so that it can help our patients inside. The hospital says it is fully staffed today. Replacement nurses were brought in about 60 days ago. 541, a worker had to be lowered from one of those sky cranes. Remember the crane that uh, crashed in Midtown? Same sort of crane, but this was in White Plains yesterday, and boy, was this a wild scene. So this worker got hurt at the top of the crane, and there was really no way to get him down. So these white first responders in White Plains, who apparently practice for these kinds of things, because there's so many cranes in White Plains now, so much construction going on there, that they were able to get up to the top of the crane and then lower this guy down on a cable. It was pretty entertaining to watch as this guy was lowered. Thankfully, he's going to be okay. But uh, he was waving to people below as he was lowered. Uh, the first responders doing an amazing job. Believe it not this is something we train on lowering somebody down from these scenarios we train on it fairly often 
Yeah, so he was lowered uh, from this cable all the way down to the roof of a building below where EMTs were there to welcome him. He broke his tibia and his fibula. So, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of time in the hospital. He was well enough to wave on his way down, uh, which was a good sign for us. We made him, we gave him as comfortable a ride as possible. We anticipated with the amount of cranes in the city of White Plains that this could one day happen. And sure enough, you know, today it did. Yeah, the EMT is not detailing what exactly happened to him that he got injured. But thank God he looks like he's going to be okay. Out to Long Island, WABC Newstime 543. The alleged Gilgo Beach murderer, Rex Huerman, being ordered to furnish DNA now via a cheek swab. Suffolk County Supreme Court judge there ruling there's probable cause to believe Huerman committed the crimes charged and thus the defendant is compelled to comply. Defense lawyers have pushed back. On the prosecutor's request, which the Suffolk DA's office sought in order to compare Yurman's DNA to the evidence they already have from that discarded pizza crust, Yurman's been charged with three of the Gilgo Beach murders and is the prime suspect in a fourth. Meanwhile, his kids are speaking out for the first time. The attorney for Rex Yurman's children speaking to News 12 yesterday. Vez Mitev says 26-year-old Victoria and her 34-year-old brother Christopher have had their lives just totally turned upside down. They're living in a surreal, you know, walking, waking nightmare. They're extraordinarily traumatized. It's a mixture of shock and grief. Christopher is a gentle soul. He likes you know, walking around, uh, spending time with the family pet. Now, we should note, right, that on Sid Rosenberg's show, Sid and Friends in the Morning, he spoke with the attorney for the mother. But interesting that the kids have hired their own attorney, so not sure what's going on there. But uh, they describe Christopher as a gentle soul. They talk about what it was like to go back into this home after their father was arrested and after investigators have combed through every object in that house looking for anything that could connect him to these Gilgo Beach murders. She like to play the PS5. Obviously, that she can't do anymore. They found the PS5 in two pieces. Her Magic the Gathering cards, which were worth a lot of money, are destroyed. Yeah, not clear. We reached out to the Suffolk County Police to say, hey, did you destroy this PS5? Did you rip apart these cards that this woman liked? No response from them. But everybody apparently back in the home, the adult kids and their parents in this Massapequa home, living together for now anyway. Their resources are completely next to nil, which is why the GoFundMe is so important. Everything has has been uh, uprooted from its place. The bathtub was drilled through. Things are stacked on top of each other. Their valuables are broken. They're innocent bystanders and what can be best described as an ever-changing hellscape. The lawyer yesterday, by the way, asked about how the kids feel about their father. He refused to answer that question, but he said the kids had no idea what he was up to. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Alayden. The Mets, they rebounded nicely against the Cubs, coming off a loss to Chicago on Tuesday night with a 4-3 victory to secure the series win in the finale last night. Down two early. Pete Alonzo raced a deficit with this two-run shot in the fourth inning, courtesy of SNY. That's it in the air to deep left center field, and forget that. Pete has lost it, and the Mets have tied it. Off the facing of the second deck in left center, number 35 for Pete Alonzo, and the Cubs keep pitching to him, and he keeps hitting it out of the ballpark. Jeff McNeil would follow that up a couple of innings later with some muscle of his own, launching a solo shot in the sixth to put the Mets ahead for good. After an off day today, They'll see if they can build on the series win when they welcome in the NLE's first place Atlanta Braves starting tomorrow night. As for the Yankees, they, can, uh, they can't even beat the bad teams anymore. Losing to the lowly Chicago White Sox 9-2 last night to surrender the three-game series. The Yankees actually implemented the use of an opener last night to see if that helped Luis Severino's output on the mound at all. It did not, with the right-hander lasting just two innings while yielding four earned runs on five hits after reliever Ian Hamilton chucked a scoreless first inning to start things off. They'll take an off day today as well before heading down to South Beach for a three-game set with the Marlins starting tomorrow night. And preseason football to look forward to starting tomorrow night in Detroit. The Giants will take on the Lions. And Saturday afternoon, the Jets will kick things off in Carolina against the Panthers. Sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Ellis. 
let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them in Plainfield, New Jersey, where two apartment buildings were officially condemned yesterday, and they threw these residents out, 84 apartments in all, people told to get out, not wealthy people who have money to run to a hotel or another apartment, so not a good scene yesterday. Uh, the owner, one of the owners of the building, showed up amid all of this when they were pushing people out. Comment at this time. How can you say no comment when all of these families have to move out and these conditions were deplorable? I will give a comment later today. Yeah, so uh, there are two owners of this building. The city says they've pled with them to fix what's deplorable conditions for more than a year. Police actually had to escort that landlord to a waiting par because he was being shouted down and surrounded. One woman punched out his window. She was so angry that she has no place to live. This is after he just collected August rent. <laughs> We don't know what to do. We took stuff. It's a shock because I don't know what to do. I have been crying all night that I don't know where we're going. I have little siblings. Yeah, we're not talking about people here who have money in the bank account to then run to put money down for another apartment. That's not the case here. City officials said they had no choice to but condemn the building. And, of course, the question is, why aren't they helping these people find new places to live? Eighty-four apartments in all, they found gaping holes in this building, leaking pipes, uh, sewer pipes that were opening. It was pretty nasty. It is clear to us that this landlord is heartless and uncaring about his tenants and is driven by greed and profit. Many residents running to City Hall saying, hey, uh, can you help us out here? Am I going to be a bad mother because I'm forced to sleep in the car with my five-year-old daughter afterwards because I have nowhere to go? Yeah, this is a terrible situation for these families. The uh, city spoke to the landlords. They've identified them as Charles Aryeh and Aaron I. Iron. They own uh, six residential buildings in Plainfield. Don't know what the conditions of the other ones are. Um, oh, now I can see three of the other ones have been condemned as well. So, I mean, these guys uh, probably should do the right thing. Uh, thank God there was this News 12 reporter who chased one of these landlords around. He kept saying no comment, no comment, no comment. But this reporter said, well, wait a minute. All these people have been kicked out of their homes. How can you say no comment? You have to give the people something. Over 200 violations. Why haven't you guys done anything with the violations? So... Again, I want to make my comment later. I'll have something by tonight. What's have prevented you and your company from having a resolution, from fixing the violations in this building? There's over 80 families in these yeah, two buildings. I understand. And, and I this is not the first building or the second here in the city of Plainfield. Why? I understand. I feel terrible. I, I understand. Guys, I understand. I do. You don't understand because there's people with family here. What are the people with family going to do? They don't have a place to stay. I understand. There was a three-day born baby. There was a woman that signed a contract three days ago, $3,000 a month for rent, and now she doesn't have a place to live. And she just signed a contract three days ago That's to horrible. move into this building. That is horrible. What do you have to say about that? I feel terrible for her. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it feels too terrible. I always say, like, how do you sleep at night knowing that people are living like that and they're paying you to do that? He said... Uh, he, in fairness to him, he had a contractor show up with him in Plainfield yesterday, pointed to the guy, and he says he's going to fix what's wrong. But there's so much to fix here, it's not clear how long it'll take. Of course, we'll follow this story. Uh, President Biden yesterday brushing off questions about his alleged involvement in his son's foreign business deals. I know you'd have a lousy question. Yeah, uh, somebody from Fox News who asked him that question. He did not like it. He's on the tour of the West. The Republican-controlled House Oversight Committee releasing these documents, it says, shows Hunter Biden's deals with Russia and Ukraine brought in 20 million bucks to President Biden's family and their allies. The president says that's not true, but Republicans say they have proof. A memo released from the House Oversight Committee members argues it doesn't need to directly show payments from Hunter Biden's dealings to the president to prove corruption. Hunter Biden is being charged by the Justice Department for tax and gun charges, but has yet to be charged for accepting bribes. Republicans argue the payments to Hunter Biden's multiple accounts by foreign entities, including Russia, implicates the president. The Republicans make that claim after testimony from a Hunter Biden associate allegedly revealed Joe Biden attended some dinners with these foreign companies. I'm Lisa Taylor. The president really wanted to highlight his clean energy policies. He's on the swing out west in New Mexico yesterday. Not only moves us away from fossil fuels to cleaner technologies like wind, 
but it means we're going to make things and new technology here in America. The president speaking to this crowd at the Arcosa Wind Towers facility. It's one of these wind turbine manufacturers. It just set up production in New Mexico earlier this year. Biden attributing an increase in clean energy manufacturing in the U.S. to the Inflation Reduction Act uh, he signed into law last year. Arcosa has received $1.1 billion in orders for new wind towers. And today we're here breaking ground on a new plant that's going to create 250 new good-paying jobs. Yeah, and it was amid that uh, swing yesterday that he was asked that question about his son. He says, uh, well, the White House has said he's not going to answer a whole lot more about that. 554, let's bring it back here to New York. A Poughkeepsie mom pleading for information that may lead to finding her daughter, who's been missing now since June. 41-year-old Jenny Lee DuPont, last seen in Poughkeepsie on June 26. She was reported missing just a few days later. Uh, Her mother says she struggled with depression and substance abuse and she's awfully worried about what may have happened to her please just call me good or bad she knows i'm always there it doesn't matter i've picked her up out of some pretty hairy situations in the past 20 years so i'm not afraid of anything i'm just afraid for her dupont is uh, five feet five inches tall blue eyes blonde hair but this is what would identify her tattoo of a small heart on her ankle and the word lucky tattooed on her shoulder Governor Hochul launching the first ever statewide cybersecurity strategies that she hopes will be a blueprint for the entire nation. She says the goal is to protect critical infrastructure and government agencies and personal information from attacks. And we are a prime target. This is New York. Prime target for those who want to harm us, disrupt our way of life. Not something new to us. Hochul has established a position of chief cybersecurity officer and recently provided $30 million to help county and local governments identify gaps in their systems. 53,000 computers owned by county and local governments are now protected by the latest security technology and integrated into a statewide picture for the first time ever. All right, let's go to the Upper East Side, a community on the Upper East Side demanding action. After several reported dog attacks outside a bookstore, including one that resulted in the death of a toy poodle whose injuries were so severe it had to be put down. So this is East 92nd Street, and apparently there's this unwritten rule with dog owners that you never walk in front of the store because of what's inside. There's apparently a huge dog that has attacked other dogs over the years. And they've reported them to the authorities, and apparently not a whole lot has been done about this. I can do nothing, you know, I was paralyzed. I see this lady running around right in front of my store, screaming with blood all over her arms. The next thing I know, this white dog has Chloe in its mouth. Yeah, there's so many people who have stories of this dog attacking their dog. But, of course, not everybody knows about it until they walk in front of this store and this dog, this huge dog, comes uh, barreling out. We are all terrified with, with what happened. She told the Department of Health when I reported it that they were leaving that week. Never did. Yeah, so apparently this dog owner said that uh, she was getting out of town, not coming back, but she still lives there. The Department of Health says it is investigating again. Seventy-seven WABC. Talk Radio seventy-seven WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Showers, thunderstorms today, high 80. Tonight, overnight, could see a stray shower, low 67. And then Friday, sunshine, high 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 64, cloudy in Spring Valley in Rockland County. 68 and partly cloudy in Livingston down in New Jersey. And 70 and a bit of drizzle here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out in Queens in the Rockaways where now drones will go up 
every single day for the rest of the summer season, the beach season, on every beach in the uh, in the city, with drones watching for sharks. After that, sixty-five-year-old woman was bitten in the Rockaways on Monday. The monitoring will be from an hour before the beach opens till sunset every day. And if they see something in the water, of course, they'll warn swimmers to get the heck out. We are flying here in Rockaways. We're flying in Coney Island. We're flying in Orchard Beach. And we're working on teams to to get out to Staten Island. So we will be definitely covering all the beaches the the rest of the summer. The Parks Department really wants beachgoers to feel like they can go back into the surf. It is the height of the season. So many businesses surround these beaches. And they need you to be out there. We are flying here in Rockaways. We're flying in Coney Island. We're flying in Orchard Beach. And we're working on teams to, to get out to Staten Island. So we will be definitely covering all the beaches the rest of the summer. Of course, all the talk is that woman, 65-year-old, wading in shallow water, a bitten so badly, 20 pounds of flesh taken out by that shark. Her family speaking out for the first time yesterday. They say they cannot thank the EMTs, the rescue crews that showed up to save her. They say they likely saved her life and at the same time saved her leg. But on the beaches everywhere, uh, people talking about the shark attack. Yeah, so uh, those drones uh, were seen yesterday, and people on the beach saw them. I never actually go out and swim in it. I just hang around the beach and walk in the In other words, you're going to put your toes in, and that's it. Maybe maybe up to my ankle. Yeah, people a little fearful to go all the way in, no two ways about it. Uh, This surfer, though, Max Haynes, says he actually got bitten by a shark last July and didn't think a whole lot about it. Just I felt on my foot like a bear trap just get me from below. Yeah, and Stony Brook University marine biologist Chris Paparo says beachgoers should be vigilant. You know, pay attention to what's going on, but he says you really shouldn't be afraid to go out and swim. What we should be doing is just really educating people that, you know, these are the species that are here. They feed on fish. They're not trying to eat you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm still a little worried to go out, out there, but I will because I'm going to be at the Jersey Shore this weekend. 535, New York City preparing for the arrival of more migrant families just weeks before the school year starts. More than 18,000 children living in city shelters attend public schools. Mayor Adams says that doesn't include the migrant children who haven't registered yet, so they don't even know fully what the number will be. We have been successful in absorbing those young people to make sure no child is going without education uh, in our school systems. We don't have the exact number because it's a continuing growing and moving number. The city's shelter system's been overburdened by the migrants, and some New Yorkers fear migrant children will have the same effect on the school system come September. I don't know. Public schools got a lot of issues as it is already. I think they have a lot of kids in the classes and not as many teachers and all that kind of stuff. So an influx of students, that just makes the problem worse too much with these kids and it's going to be a tight budget. Mayor Adams talking about that tight budget yesterday holding a press conference City Hall. $12 billion. That's his new number he said it will cost taxpayers to pay for the migrants that are still arriving here almost every single day at the Port Authority bus station from the U.S.-Mexico border. Adams says new arrivals will cost more than $5 billion just this year. That's up from the $1.4 billion we spent last fiscal year and it nearly equals the budgets of sanitation department our parks department and the fdny combined he's begging the federal government to pitch in in a much bigger way than it already has he says the city needs the money they can't do it on their own new yorkers compassion may be limitless but our resources are not and our partners at the state and federal levels Know this. And he's already warning city agencies today that he may have to do another round of cuts so that he can pay for all these migrants that have showed up. Here's some 97,000 so far. So we did three rounds at the one point something billion dollars. Can you imagine what we have to do at 12 billion dollars? So 
every service in the city is going to be uh, impacted. Yeah, lots of tightening of the belt. WABC News Time 539. The MTA is going to be running more frequent trains on two of its lines on weekends. MTA Chair Jenna Lieber says starting this weekend, riders using the number one and the six lines will see trains come every six minutes on weekends instead of every eight minutes. It might not seem like much, but when you're standing on a hot platform... Those minutes really add up. This is the second phase of previously announced targeted subway service enhancements. Last month, the MTA added service to the G, J, and M lines. More service enhancements are coming in December and next year as the MTA hires more crews. It's no secret that weekend ridership and all discretionary travel, the weekends, the nights, are rebounding faster to pre-COVID levels faster than weekday service. WABC News Time 540. Former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's security director has pled guilty to felony obstruction charges. Former NYPD Inspector Howard Redman has admitted to protecting de Blasio from investigators who were trying to prove he illegally used his security detail while traveling to other states in his failed bid for president. Redmond was in charge of scheduling de Blasio's security detail. He had been with the NYPD for 30 years. He won't serve time in prison as per his plea deal. As for de Blasio, in June, he was fined $475,000 over the issue by the NYC Conflict of Interest Board. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Let's go down to New Brunswick, New Jersey. A spokesman for Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital says the union representing striking nurses there formally rejected the hospital's latest offer that they put up there yesterday. Nearly 2,000 nurses walked off the job last Friday after contract talks stalled. The turnover has been very high, and I think it's time the hospital kind of self-reflects for a second and asks themselves why. We don't have anyone to back up um, for help, and we're scrambling. The two sides remain deadlocked on issues such as staffing levels and pay. I just want them to settle and give us patient safety and our ratios so that it can help our patients inside. The hospital says it is fully staffed today. Replacement nurses were brought in about 60 days ago. 541, a worker had to be lowered from one of those sky cranes. Remember the crane that uh, crashed in Midtown? Same sort of crane, but this was in White Plains yesterday. And boy, was this a wild scene. So this worker got hurt at the top of the crane and there was really no way to get him down. So these white first responders in White Plains who apparently practice for these kinds of things because there's so many cranes in White Plains now, so much construction going on there, that they were able to get up to the top of the crane and then lower this guy down on a cable. It was pretty entertaining to watch as this guy was lowered. Thankfully, he's going to be okay. But uh, he was waving to people below as he was lowered. Uh, the first responders doing an amazing job. Believe it or not, this is something we train on, lowering somebody down from these scenarios. We train on it fairly often. Yeah, so he was lowered uh, from this cable all the way down to the roof of a building below where EMTs were there to welcome him. He broke his tibia and his fibula. So, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of time in the hospital. He was well enough to wave on his way down, uh, which was a good sign for us. We made it, we gave him as comfortable a ride as possible. Yeah, we anticipated clear. with the amount of cranes in the city of White Plains that this could one day happen, and sure enough, you know, today it did. Yeah, the EMT is not detailing what exactly happened to him that he got injured, but thank God he looks like he's going to be okay. Out to Long Island, WABC News Time 543. The alleged Gilgo Beach murderer, Rex Yorman, being ordered to furnish DNA now via a cheek swab. Suffolk County Supreme Court judge there ruling there's probable cause to believe Yorman committed the crimes charged and thus the defendant is compelled to comply. Defense lawyers have pushed back on the prosecutor's request, which the Suffolk DA's office sought in order to compare Yorman's DNA to the evidence they already have from that discarded pizza crust, Yorman's been charged with three of the Gilgo Beach murders and is the prime suspect in a fourth. Meanwhile, his kids are speaking out for the first time. The attorney for Rex Yorman's children speaking to News 12 yesterday. Vez Mitev says 26-year-old Victoria and her 34-year-old brother Christopher have had their lives just totally turned upside down. They're 
living in a surreal, you know, walking, waking nightmare. They're extraordinarily traumatized. It's a mixture of shock and grief. Christopher is a gentle soul. He likes, you know, walking around, uh, spending time with the family pet. Now, we should note, right, that on Sid Rosenberg's show, Sid and Friends in the Morning, he spoke with the attorney for the mother. But interesting that the kids have hired their own attorney, so not sure what's going on there. But uh, they describe Christopher as a gentle soul. They talk about what it was like to go back into this home after their father was arrested and after investigators have combed through every object in that house looking for anything that could connect him to these Gilgo Beach murders. I like to play the PS5. Obviously that she can't do anymore. They found the PS5 in two pieces. Her Magic the Gathering cards, which were worth a lot of money, are destroyed. Yeah, not clear. We reached out to the Suffolk County Police to say, hey, did you destroy this PS5? Did you rip apart these cards that this woman liked? No response from them. But everybody apparently back in the home, the adult kids and their parents in this Massapequa home, living together for now anyway. Their resources are completely next to nil, which is why the GoFundMe is so important. Everything has has been uh, uprooted from its place. The bathtub was drilled through. Things are stacked on top of each other. Their valuables are broken. They're innocent bystanders and what can be best described as an ever-changing hellscape. Their lawyer yesterday, by the way, asked about how the kids feel about their father. He refused to answer that question, but he said the kids had no idea what he was up to. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Aladen. The Mets, they rebounded nicely against the Cubs, coming off a loss to Chicago on Tuesday night with a 4-3 to victory to secure the series win in the finale last night. Down two early, Pete Alonzo raised the deficit with this two-run shot in the fourth inning, courtesy of SNY. That's it in the air to deep left center field, and forget that. Pete has lost it, and the Mets have tied it. The facing of the second deck in left center, number 35 for Pete Alonzo, and the Cubs keep pitching to him, and he keeps hitting it out of the ballpark. Jeff McNeil would follow that up a couple of innings later with some muscle of his own, launching a solo shot in the sixth to put the Mets ahead for good. After an off day today, they'll see if they can build on the series win when they welcome in the NLE's first place Atlanta Braves starting tomorrow night. As for the Yankees, they can uh, they can't even beat the bad teams anymore. Losing to the lowly Chicago White Sox 9-2 last night to surrender the three-game series. The Yankees actually implemented the use of an opener last night to see if that helped Luis Severino's output on the mound at all. It did not, with the right-hander lasting just two innings while yielding four earned runs on five hits after reliever Ian Hamilton chucked a scoreless first inning to start things off. They'll take an off day today as well before heading down to South Beach for a three-game set with the Marlins starting tomorrow night. And preseason football to look forward to starting tomorrow night in Detroit. The Giants will take on the Lions. And Saturday afternoon, the Jets will kick things off in Carolina against the Panthers. Sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Ellis. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them in Plainfield, New Jersey, where two apartment buildings were officially condemned yesterday, and they threw these residents out, 84 apartments in all, people told to get out, not wealthy people who have money to run to a hotel or another apartment. So not a good scene yesterday. Uh, the owner, one of the owners of the building, showed up amid all of this when they were pushing people out. Wrong with that this time. How can you say no comment when all of these families have to move out and these conditions were deplorable? I will give a comment later today. Yeah, so uh, there are two owners of this building. The city says they've pled with them to fix what's deplorable conditions for more than a year. Police actually had to escort that landlord to a waiting par because he was being shouted down and surrounded. One woman punched out his window. She was so angry that she has no place to live. This is after he just collected August rent. <laughs> We don't know what to do. We took stuff. It's a shock because I don't know what to do. I have been crying all night that I don't know where we're going. I have little siblings. Yeah, we're not talking about people here who have money in the bank account to then run to put money down for another apartment. That's not the case here. City officials said they had no choice to but condemn the building. And, of course, the question is, why aren't they helping these people find new places to live? 84 apartments in all, they found gaping holes in this building, leaking pipes, uh, sewer pipes that were open. I mean, it was pretty nasty. It is clear to us that this landlord is heartless and uncaring about his tenants and is driven by greed and profit. 
many residents running to City Hall saying, hey, uh, can you help us out here? Am I going to be a bad mother because I'm forced to sleep in the car with my five-year-old daughter afterwards because I have nowhere to go? Yeah, this is a terrible situation for these families. The uh, city spoke to the landlords. They've identified them as Charles Aryeh and Aaron I. Iron. They own uh, six residential buildings in Plainfield. Don't know what the conditions of the other ones are. Um, oh, now I can see three of the other ones have been condemned as well. So, I mean, these guys uh, probably should do the right thing. Uh, thank God there was this News 12 reporter who chased one of these landlords around. He kept saying no comment, no comment, no comment. But this reporter said, well, wait a minute. All these people have been kicked out of their homes. How can you say no comment? You have to give the people something. Over 200 violations. Why haven't you guys done anything with the violations? So... Again, I want to make my comment later. I'll have something by tonight. What's have prevented you and your company from having a resolution, from fixing the violations in this building? There's over 80 families in these yeah, two buildings. I understand. And, and I this is not the first building or the second here in the city of Plainfield. Why? I understand. I feel terrible. I, I understand. Guys, I understand. I do. You don't understand because there's people with family here. What are the people with family going to do? They don't have a place to stay. I understand. There was a three-day born baby. There was a woman that signed a contract three days ago, $3,000 a month for rent, and now she doesn't have a place to live. And she just signed a contract three days ago to move into this building. That is horrible. What do you have to say about that? I feel terrible for her. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it feels too terrible. I always say, like, how do you sleep at night knowing that people are living like that and they're paying you to do that? He said... uh, he, in fairness to him, he had a contractor show up with him in Plainfield yesterday, pointed to the guy, and he says he's going to fix what's wrong. But there's so much to fix here, it's not clear how long it'll take. Of course, we'll follow this story. Uh, President Biden yesterday brushing off questions about his alleged involvement in his son's foreign business deals. I never talk business and I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Yeah, uh, somebody from Fox News who asked him that question. He did not like it. He's on the tour of the West. The Republican-controlled House Oversight Committee releasing these documents, it says, shows Hunter Biden's deals with Russia and Ukraine brought in 20 million bucks to President Biden's family and their allies. The president says that's not true, but Republicans say they have proof. A memo released from the House Oversight Committee members argues it doesn't need to directly show payments from Hunter Biden's dealings to the president to prove corruption. Hunter Biden is being charged by the Justice Department for tax and gun charges, but has yet to be charged for accepting bribes. Republicans argue the payments to Hunter Biden's multiple accounts by foreign entities, including Russia, implicates the president. The Republicans make that claim after testimony from a Hunter Biden associate allegedly revealed Joe Biden attended some dinners with these foreign companies. I'm Lisa Taylor. The president really wanted to highlight his clean energy policies. He's on the swing out west in New Mexico yesterday. Not only moves us away from fossil fuels to cleaner technologies like wind, but it means we're going to make things and new technology here in America. The president speaking to this crowd at the Arcosa Wind Towers facility. It's one of these wind turbine manufacturers. It just set up production in New Mexico earlier this year. Biden attributing an increase in clean energy manufacturing in the U.S. to the Inflation Reduction Act uh, he signed into law last year. Arcosa has received $1.1 billion in orders from new wind towers. And today we're here breaking ground on a new plant that's going to create 250 new good-paying jobs. Yeah, and it was amid that uh, swing yesterday that he was asked that question about his son. He says, uh, well, the White House has said he's not going to answer a whole lot more about that. 554, let's bring it back here to New York. A Poughkeepsie mom pleading for information that may lead to finding her daughter, who's been missing now since June. 41-year-old Jenny Lee DuPont, last seen in Poughkeepsie on June 26. She was reported missing just a few days later. Uh, her mother says she struggled with depression and substance abuse and she's awfully worried about what may have happened to her please just call me good or bad she knows i'm always there it doesn't matter i've picked her up out of some pretty hairy situations in the past 20 years so i'm not afraid of anything I'm just afraid for her. DuPont is uh, five feet, five inches tall, blue eyes, blonde hair. But this is what would identify her tattoo of a small heart on her ankle and the word lucky tattooed on her shoulder. Governor Hochul launching the first ever statewide cybersecurity strategies that she hopes will be a blueprint for the entire nation. She says the goal is to protect critical infrastructure and government agencies and personal information from attacks. And we are a prime target. This is New York. Prime target for those who want to harm us, 
disrupt our way of life. Not something new to us. Hochul has established a position of chief cybersecurity officer and recently provided $30 million to help county and local governments identify gaps in their systems. 53,000 computers owned by county and local governments are now protected by the latest security technology and integrated into a statewide picture for the first time ever. All right, let's go to the Upper East Side, a community on the Upper East Side demanding action. After several reported dog attacks outside a bookstore, including one that resulted in the death of a toy poodle whose injuries were so severe it had to be put down. So this is East 92nd Street, and apparently there's this unwritten rule with dog owners that you never walk in front of the store because of what's inside. There's apparently a huge dog that has attacked other dogs over the years. And they've reported them to the authorities, and apparently not a whole lot has been done about this. I can do nothing, you know, I was paralyzed. I see this lady running around right in front of my store, screaming with blood all over her arms. The next thing I know, this white dog has Chloe in its mouth. Yeah, there's so many people who have stories of this dog attacking their dog. But, of course, not everybody knows about it until they walk in front of this store and this dog, this huge dog, comes uh, barreling out. We are all terrified with, with what happened. She told the Department of Health when I reported it that they were leaving that week. Never did. Yeah, so apparently this dog owner said that uh, she was getting out of town, not coming back, but she still lives there. The Department of Health says it is investigating again.